are Locked On Mariners, your daily Seattle Mariners podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Mariners, your home for daily Seattle Mariners news and analysis. Thank you so much for making us your first listen of the day. We are free and available on all platforms. Today is Thursday, October 7th, 2021. I am your host, Titan Gonzalez, joined as always by my co-host, Colby Patnode. Follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners. You can follow me at Dane Gonzalez, that's D-A-N-E-G-N-Z-L-Z, and Colby at CPAT11 at C-P-A-T-1-1. Be sure to also check out our Patreon, where we talk about the Mariners even more. Also get into some non-baseball talk twice a week. Visit patreon.com forward slash control the zone for more information on that. On today's episode of Lockdown Mariners, more season awards are on the way for the 2021 Mariners. We're going to be doing reliever of the year and defender of the year today. But before we hop into those, let's get into our first topic of the day. If you like what you hear, give the show a follow or subscribe wherever you're listening to this. We greatly appreciate it. Jerry DePoto and Scott Service had their end of the year press conferences today. Jerry also appeared on uh, 710 ESPN with Mike Salk today. Talked about a bunch of things, you know, reflected on the 2021 season and talked about the offseason ahead and was asked, of course, about Kyle Seeger, who DePoto has said he has yet to make a decision on uh, his club option, but I think we all know where this is going to end up going. Uh, but you know, of course, Kyle Seeger aired out some frustrations towards uh, Jerry this season when the Kendall Graveman trade was made. There were some anonymous comments in an article by Ryan Divish that turned out to be Kyle Seeger talking about Jerry, saying things like Jerry is just up there playing fantasy baseball on his phone, etc. And then after uh, Game 162, said that he hasn't talked to Jerry DePoto in a few years Jerry was asked about that comment specifically and responded saying, I understand Kyle's emotions, but we had conversations in the spring talking about this season and the possibility that could be his last in Seattle and his legacy. And DePoto added, frankly, I do communicate frequently with Kyle's agent at intervals. They dictate. So there's a lot of he said, she said going on, which is kind of unnecessary because the split has pretty much already happened. Everyone understands what's going on. And it just feels like both guys are, you know, obviously Jerry is in the right to respond. Uh, but hopefully this is the end of that. And there's no more, uh, you know, barbs being traded here. It's just let this thing in. Let the uh, let the legacy live how it is uh, with Kyle Seeger and, and and move forward. But how do you feel about these comments, Colby? And and you know, just what are your thoughts overall on, on this split between Seeger and the organization? Uh, clearly, it's time, and it's also time for Mariners fans to uh, accept the reality that Kyle Seeger, while beloved in the clubhouse, was going to create some issues there. He or probably already has. You can't have. Uh, one member of the organization just hate uh, the guy who runs it. I mean, just viscerally hate him. And, and clearly Kyle does. Uh, we know that from the comments in July, uh, you know, Kyle is either lying or, or misremembering about talking to DePoto. Um, and besides that, it's not really the GM's job to talk to the players. GMs talk to agents, agents talk to players, coaches talk to players, general managers, they don't really do that all that often. So I, I don't understand mm -hmm. why 
why Kyle would be so upset by by this. Um, now we don't know what happened behind the scenes, and, and we'll probably mm-hmm. never know exactly what happened. I, it could be the, as simple as Depoto telling Kyle, "Hey, look, we're we're not going to pick up your option." Like, I don't know, a year ago or this this spring, and just say, "Man, it, it's not going to happen. You're a declining player." And Kyle took that personally, and and what do you know? Jerry was right. Kyle is in decline. Um, so it, it's just one of those things where it's. It's kind of a bummer that, uh, you know, he's Kyle's kind of going out in a not too flattering way. Uh, he's to me, he's coming off as kind of petulant and acting like he deserves some kind of veto power for any of Jer- any of the moves Jerry wanted to make. Um, like he's mad that he traded Kendall Graveman without asking him if he should, and, and that that's not your place. I mean, that's that's Jerry's job. And by the way, Jerry did very well in that trade. So, um, yeah, I'm sorry that he didn't like it and he traded some of your friends away, but that's his job. Just like it's your job to not make an out 75% of the time. So it's just, it's one of those things that it's, it's definitely time for a divorce. And, and, you know, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that Kyle Seeger is, is coming out smelling like roses just because I really like him. And just because I respect his, uh, you know, his decade plus of service to the Mariners, uh, that, doesn't mean you get to kind of be a, an a-hole on your way out the door and not have me criticize you for it. And that, that's kind of how it's coming off from, from Kyle. I, I feel like if this is a PR battle. Kyle Seeger is losing it to me. Now to fans, they don't like, they don't want, they don't care about the GM, They're, right? They don't care about, yeah. they want the player. And Kyle has so much equity built here that, you know, it doesn't really matter what Kyle said. Kyle could say pretty much anything about DePoto and fans will back him up there. Not me, not this guy. Um, you know, it, it's it's a little Richard Sherman esque, uh, not quite as vocal as that, but uh, there is a little bit of like, you know, light the light the bridges on fire. I'm I'm done here, and and I'm going to let everybody know about it. Um, but I I don't I believe I believe Depoto when he says I talk to him in, in spring training, and I talk to his agent often because that's typically what GMs do. They don't talk to players all that often. They talk mm-hmm. to agents, coaches, and agents talk to the players. So. I, I'm going to side with Jerry on this one. It's just kind of a, a bummer um, that Kyle is is choosing to go out this way. Um, mm-hmm. And it's it's kind of out of character, which leads me to believe that Kyle Seager really hates Jerry DePoto. You mentioned something there that the listener might hear and say, you know, wait, what are you talking about? The guy hit 35 home runs, 101 RBI this year. You know, you were saying that he's declining. Well, let me remind uh, you of of the numbers here um, this year statistically Kyle Seeger was had the second worst season of his career if you really look at the numbers 212 285 on base percentage uh, with a 438 slugging percentage yeah he hit home runs but he struck out 24 percent of the time that is the highest rate he's had in his entire career he walked just 8.8 percent of the time which is one of the lowest marks in his career and uh, had just a 99 WRC plus, which is pretty much average, um, one point below the league average mark. He's a fine player. He's not a player that's going to, you know, that, that is worth the club option, which is it pretty much accumulates to $20 million this year. Um, and with this and with how he feels towards the organization for one way or another, if he's right, if he's wrong, that really doesn't matter. The relationship is pretty much toast, and 
he's on the decline as a player. Yes, he hits home runs. Yes, he drives in a ton of runs. But that is not a guy that you want to invest $20 million in, no matter really where you are, um, organizationally speaking, that you need to do better. You need to get, you know, you can get younger there and have more upside at that position. And that's obviously, you know, something that we have talked about quite a bit on the show and um, are going to continue to drive home because this team can and should and probably will get better at third base and or and or second base um, this offseason. And Jerry DePoto and Scott Service both talked about adding at least one offensive piece to uh, the infield uh, this offseason, pretty much confirming everything, though. You know, we already know they didn't really say anything groundbreaking today. I know some people, you know, um, uh, saw the payroll comments and, and thought that was either interesting or took it as an opportunity to take a shot at the Mariners for some reason. That's silly. Let's just wait and see what happens, guys. It's um, <clears throat> I I personally, I think the Mariners are going to be uh, um, pretty aggressive in both the free agent and trade market um, this year. And, and we've talked about payroll a lot on this uh, on the show and how Really, it's not about the dollar figure that they get to. It's about the quality of the players that they add. So let's just wait and see, you know, before we pass on judgment about how this offseason is going to go and, and what Jerry DePoto's plan ultimately, you know, um, comes to be. Um, so before we hop on over to our next segment, Colby, any other thoughts here on on DePoto's comments? I'm, I'm sure we'll get to more of them, you know, more of the offseason related stuff. Uh, tomorrow's episode, but uh, anything else that, that caught your eye here that you wanted to cover real quick? Uh, no, you know, it just I've seen the same thing you are about, you know, people on Mariners Twitter taking very vague uh, comments from Jerry, which isn't that surprising at the end of the oppressor. He's not going to say, well, here's how much money we have and here's how we're going to lay it out. That's, that's not going to happen. Uh, but they're taking the vagueness of those comments and either, um, you know, for the most part, they're saying, oh, well, clearly that means he's going to have like $15 million extra because John Stanton, blah, blah, blah. And Jerry said this last year and, and yada, yada. Um, just let's not do that. Let's just yeah. wait and see, um, you know, because we don't know how much money they're going to have to spend. You don't know. I don't know. Anybody telling mm-hmm. you they know is lying to you. They don't know. Yeah. The only people that know are Jerry and, and Jerry and his crew and John Stanton. That's it. Mm-hmm. So just let's, 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 let's let this play out before we pass judgment on anything. Jerry does this winter. Let's see how it looks and let's see what they do and let's see who they're linked to and how aggressive they are in those pursuits. And let's, let's have some fun. Like why would you start off the off season being negative? Why mm-hmm. have fun dream yeah. Yeah. and uh, watch Jerry work. Let Jerry cook. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the uh, the bullpen that pretty much was the driving force for this team in, in helping them win a lot of those close games and and getting to that ninety win record that they ended up with in just a moment. But first, want to remind you this episode of Locked On Mariners is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning like is your Odyssey an LX or an EX and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. 
So why choose to spend 30%, 50%, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? For example, a Honda Odyssey fuel pump is $353 from a chain store, whereas with Rock Auto, it's only $216. Plus, Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years, and their prices are reliably low for every customer. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in there, how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. You're listening to Locked On Mariners. Thank you again for making us your first listen of the day. We are free and available on all platforms. Colby, let's talk about this bullpen. It was fantastic this year, but we got to whittle it down to just one name to give to our reliever of the year for the 2021 Mariners. A lot of good choices here from Casey Sadler to Drew Steckenrider to Paul Seawald. We'll even throw Kendall Graveman in there as well. Who are you landing on for this award? Well, I mean, Kendall Graveman would finish in a solid fourth place, so got to throw him <laughs> in there. Um, maybe even fifth. Uh, yeah, so it's it really comes down to three. It's 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 Steckenrider, Seawald, or Sadler. Um, you know, each kind of had different roles to fill. Uh, you know, but Seawald was used in the most high leverage situations for most of the year. He was pretty good. He did fade a little bit towards the end because, you know, they basically crammed six months worth of work into about four and a half months. Um, so not not all that surprising that he would fade towards the end. But I'm, I'm going to give it to Seawall just because the strikeouts were, were incredibly high and he was often facing the best that, you know, the opponents had to offer. So um, because of that, I, I'm going to give him a little bit of an edge over, over Steckenrider and, and Sadler, who probably had better, you know, overall numbers uh but because seawald pitched in such high leverage situations as often as he did and he generally performed very well uh i think that is i think that's why i'm going to give it to seawald it, it just I, I think he's earned it uh and hey you know the fact that we have this conversation at all is a huge improvement over last year where we yeah. legitimately were probably going to give it to Johan ramirez so um <laughs> Yeah, bullpen's in great shape still, and, and uh, it should get better. So, but uh, as for reliever of the year, uh, I'm going to go ahead and give it to Paul Seawall this year. Yeah, I'm going to follow Sue here and, and do the same. He was also my surprise player of the year that we picked yesterday. Go listen to that episode if you haven't already. Um, you know, Strikeouts are the name of the game, really, with the top uh, relievers in baseball. And Paul Seawall finished with the fifth highest K per nine this year. Uh, he was excellent, as you mentioned. You know, they put him in all these high leverage situations, and for the most part, he truly, truly was able to come through for this team and, and either keep them in close games or finish off these close games. And even when he wasn't necessarily on it, he was still able to, you know, escape. I, you know, there's a couple of instances that that come to mind where you know maybe he had the bases loaded or whatever, but he was able to get a couple of key strikeouts and be able to get out of that. And that slider really helped him enough. And of course, it kind of faded towards the end, uh, uh, along with just him in general. And obviously, you know, that directly correlates. He needs that pitch really, and um, you know, gave up some home runs, of course, towards the end. Uh, but overall, you know, you got to be just absolutely thrilled with what Paul Seawald was able to give you when he just came out of nowhere. They signed him as a minor league free agent, which 
the Mariners just continue to do. They continue to find these diamonds in the rough. I say it every single offseason now. We have to pay attention to these guys that they add on these minor league deals. You think about Austin Nola, and then you know you, they get guys in the Rule 5, like Brandon Brennan, who helped them for a little bit. Um, and they're able to make these trades for like Austin Adams and Connor Sadzik. And obviously those guys weren't around for a long time, but they helped. You know, Jerry DePoto is really good at identifying relievers. I, th- I think that's made pretty clear. And so even, you know, even when you see minor league transactions come across the board here on, uh, during this offseason, you, you have to at least pay attention for guys like Paul Seawall to, you know, go from minor league free agent with like two teams really interested, three, three teams interested in him. It was the Astros, the Blue Jays, and the Mariners. And he ends up becoming one of the top five best relievers in baseball this year in terms of K for nine. That's pretty incredible. Um, the guy was just downright awesome this year and uh, he was a lot of fun to watch. He's and he's a great guy on top of it all from everything I've seen. Um, and Drew Steckenrider as well. I mean, to you know, Colby, you you didn't think that Steckenrider was even going to make it out of uh, spring training, did you? No, but you know. I also thought Kendall Graveman was going to be a high leverage reliever and get traded. So I guess I'm pretty smart. Um, well, uh, you know, I called the the Kendall Graveman high leverage reliever thing but all the way back in 2020. So I, I, don't, I don't think you did, but um, oh, okay. No, yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I'm not recalling that, but uh, oh, yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. Uh, seems, no, it seems Colby's had a decent case of uh, amnesia here today on today's episode yeah. of Lockdown Mariners. I don't think so. I'm just, I'm just saying, uh, Stecken Rider, uh, yeah, he was pretty terrifying to watch in spring training. Um, he had a couple of rough outings, but, uh, now he, he made the team and, and, um, struggled a little bit in early April, but, uh, you know, really found his groove and, and, uh, you know, Scott knew how to use him and he got the most out of him. So, uh, yeah, Steck, uh, Steck definitely up there. And, and Sadler was a guy who came in late in 2020 and really flashed some stuff and, uh, and uh, he was uh, no doubt a stabilizing force in the middle innings and, and exactly what you needed. And, uh, hey, you know what? If we're going to throw Kendall Graveman in this in this discussion, we should probably talk about JT Charcois, too, um, who was, yeah. was quite good before he was traded as well. Yeah, JT Charcois was uh, really solid. And then, you know, Casey Sadler, of course, stepped into his role and was brilliant. Um, just, man. Uh, this this team continues to churn out some pretty interesting arms in that bullpen. And guess what? It's going to get better. Ken Giles is going to be added to this bullpen uh, with Diego Castillo now also in it. That's uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. We'll see what they do to potentially add more more arms, more options in there uh, over the course of the winter. But like I said, you got to keep an eye out for everything. Every single transaction that Jerry DePoto makes in regards to the bullpen deserves your attention at this point. I, I think that's pretty clear now. Uh, so we're going to talk about Defender of the Year, the best glove, and that's another award that has a couple of interesting options. We'll talk about that in just a moment. But first, a reminder, this episode of Locked On Mariners is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. 
We're back in better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on to start another football season. And as always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline.ag continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget to use promo code NFL100. BetOnline is the fastest this is an easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports from football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. So don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. This is Locked On Mariners. Thank you again for making us your first listen of the day. Every day we are free and available on all platforms. It's time to talk some defense here, Colby. The Defender of the Year or the Platinum Glove, Gold Glove, whatever you want to consider it to be. The best defender on the Seattle Mariners is who, Colby? J.P. Crawford. Yes. Uh, yeah, uh, Seager was pretty good, too. And uh, so was Ty France. So they're in consideration here. But uh, it's it's J.P. and it's it's frankly not all that close. Um, J.P. might be the best defensive shortstop in the American League. Uh, he's certainly way up there, and it's just—it's mm-hmm. so hard to even remember any of the errors that he made um, this year because there were there were so few. Um, yep. He's just consistent. He brings it every single day, and there's just no uh, there's just really no debate for anybody else in my mind. It's it's JP Crawford. Um, sure, you know Dylan Moore had a couple of really great plays, and then mm-hmm. Jake Fraley with the insane catch, but just the consistency day in day out to play a hundred and 60 games and really never have your defense suffer once is uh, pretty impressive. So uh, JP Crawford is the platinum glove or best defender or whatever it is you want to call it. Uh, that, that mm-hmm. award belongs to JP Crawford. The answer clearly is Luis Terence. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Relax, relax. It's JP Crawford. Of course, the guy is so smooth over there. I mean, the fact that, Perry Hill has turned him into such an incredible, incredible defender at one of the most crucial defensive spots on the field, on the diamond. Uh, it's just, it's an, it's insane what he's been able to do with him. Obviously, you know, we knew about the athleticism. We knew about uh, everything that he brought uh, from a defense, uh, from a defensive standpoint. But, you know, when he came from Philadelphia, we had no clue that he could be this good. I mean, that was the big, knock on him really was is he going to be able to stay at shortstop is he more of a second baseman and he made it very clear he he is the, he is a shortstop jerry depoto said today that he he expects him to be the shortstop for many years of course he only has two years left on his deal but i'm sure there's going to be an extension negotiated this offseason i'd be surprised if if we don't hear something about an extension with J.B. Crawford and especially the bat started to follow through this year as well he's uh turned into a really solid player and uh, he's he's turned into you know one of the captains on this team as well, and uh, you know just defensively speaking, the, the guy just he eats up everything. And obviously, he didn't have like one like massive highlight worthy play this year, like in terms of the uh, you know the play that he had against the Tigers a couple of years ago, where he was deep in the six hole and um, you know went off of his right leg and made that insane throw over to first base to get the runner. You know, you didn't have a play like that necessarily this year, but also we, that, you know, some of his great plays probably don't even stand out really because unfortunately he's so good. We take him for granted a little bit. Um, he's just that, that good. 
Uh, but I do want to shout out Ty France here because France was a man without a position for a while there. Uh, they tried him out at second base. He was downright terrible. Tried him out at third base a couple of times, but really didn't give him a ton of opportunity over there. Wasn't really that great either. And then they, you know, Evan White gets hurt, of course. And uh, they put France over there at first base. And again, Perry Hill, the, the magician, the wizard that he is, uh, just, you know, helps helps France, you know, just get better and better and better in France, you know, by fan graphs metrics, which, you know, obviously you don't want to put a ton of stock into because a lot of these outlets, they just really don't know how to grade defense, especially first base defense. But he was the top rated defensive first baseman on fan graphs this year. And, um, you know, and, and it showed through on the, on, on the field. He was spectacular. And uh, he's also one of the highest graded first, uh, defensive first baseman on the Sabre Defensive Index, which was used to determine all the Gold Glove awards last year. It's going to be up to the voters this year. Don't know if he's going to get the Gold Glove over Yuli Gurriel or uh, um, Matt Olson. Uh, but, you know, we'll see. He, he was certainly, uh, he's certainly deserving of, of being in the conversation and uh, we'll see if JP wins his second gold glove uh, in a row um, this uh, this winter. But uh, yeah, uh, I mean, the Mariners are in a decent spot right now defensively. Um, got some some pretty solid gloves uh, and we'll, we'll see how much they value that this offseason. Uh, personally speaking, I value that quite a bit. <laughs> uh, so we'll see how it turns out. But um, yeah, these guys were a lot of fun to watch play this year. Uh, anyone else that you want to uh, talk about here? Or? Nobody in the outfield, certainly. So, um, yeah, cat- catchers were pretty mediocre this year at best, uh, particularly at the relay throw thing, which continues to annoy me to this day. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, you know, other than that, uh, it's, you know, it's it's like I said, Seager was solid this year. Um, made a couple really nice plays, but. Uh, yeah, it's it's JP, it's it's Ty France, it's Kyle Seager, and there's really nobody else. I mean, if you want to throw Dylan Moore on this list, he was very good when he got to play, but mm-hmm. um, you know, it just eh. like Dylan might be the the set. Dylan might be the the best defender on this team, um, just in terms of what he can do in the outfield and the infield. He's pretty good at, at every you know everywhere really, um, but mm-hmm. because JP and and Ty France and and Kyle Seeger did it every single day, uh, whereas Dylan Moore, for most of the second half of the season, was a role player. It, it just it doesn't seem fair to put him in this list. So, uh, yeah, it's it's JP, it's Ty, and it's it's Kyle, and and um, and you know, outfield defense and catcher defense, catching defense continues to be a, should be a priority uh, this winter uh, when Jerry goes mm-hmm. out and looks for. Uh, for up looks for upgrades uh to his uh to his position player group and don't forget about chris flexen who is in the top five of the saber defensive index as well uh yusei kikuchi is also on there as well with a positive def- uh defensive uh, sdi rating he uh yeah yeah they're uh you know got some athletes on their team it's uh pretty fun to watch we we saw some pretty cool plays out of a lot of these guys this year and uh they just made the the year all the more fun uh so that's going to do it for today's show thank you so much for joining us here on locked on mariners for colby patnode i'm Tidane gonzalez be sure to give us a follow on twitter at lo underscore mariners you can follow me at dane gonzalez that's d-a-n-e g-n-z-l-z and colby at cpat 11 that's c-p-a-t-1-1 you can also find all that stuff in the description of this episode thank you again for making locked on mariners your first listen of the day every day we'll be back tomorrow 
wrapping up our season awards with hitter of the year and pitcher of the year for the 2021 Mariners. But now make your second listen of the day locked on MLB where Paul Francis Sullivan and please call him Sully brings you his unique perspective on the major leagues present and past. It's free and available on all platforms. Have yourself a beautiful baseball day and we'll see you tomorrow.